Well, welcome to the Card Authority. Oh, we've already uh, already a little bit jumpy there, straight off the bat with uh, technical stuff. But welcome to episode eight of the Card Authority show. We have got a massive, massive show for us once again. Um, obviously, my sound's working, so I'll just put that away. Now, everyone's been excited. Everyone's been talking about what will AJ look like this week. Obviously, he lost a bet. I think this is a perfect time to bring my co-host in, the one and only Tiger AJ. Fulfilled my uh, my obligations with respect to uh, our bet last week, and here I am in uh, in full flight. A few people probably didn't think I was going to do it, but I have done it. Well, congratulations, mate. Obviously, you're a man of your word, and I know. Uh, obviously, you know, with the footy seems like ages away now, but um, yeah, you are you're a good man. You you honoured your bet, and uh, you're definitely channeling a little bit of kiss there. There's a real little bit of Gene Simmons or whoever the other guys are. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting stuff. So, yeah, good, man. How's your week, man? Uh, it's been good. I'll tell you what. I thought that face paint would be really easy to get, and that's something that they just, like, sold at supermarkets and things like that. Apparently uh, apparently not. I mentioned something to my wife only at, like, 1.30 this afternoon, and I was like, oh, by the way, when you do the school pickup run for the kids, if there's any chance you can get me some face paint from the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> she looked at me and was like, are you crazy? They don't just have face paint as a supermarket. You know, it needs to come from like a specialty store and everything's closed. I was like, oh, could be in a bit of strife here. I might be using the kids' arts and craft paints, but uh, thankfully she managed to find uh, find a store not far from our place that had it at uh, the 11th hour. So uh, here we go. Tiger, well, thanks for one night. I like it. Well, well done, Romy. You, uh, you, you certainly looked after us and, uh, yeah, she's a good woman, so thank you. Um, look, obviously, yeah, it's been a big week. Um, plenty to talk about in the industry. I guess we can touch on the footy only a little bit. You know, how did you feel the Saints went? Obviously, um, they came across a pretty solid finals team in the form of Richmond. Were you happy with your boys? Uh, yeah, I was really happy with the Saints this year. We probably uh, outperformed a little bit where we expected to be. Um, I think before the year, the expectation was from Saints supporters and Saints fans that we had been building over the last couple of years. We got some great players in over the trade period and the expectation was that we would make the eight. We certainly made the eight to have won the, the first final as well and, and get through to the next week probably goes beyond what our expectations are, are as St Kilda fans. Uh, we've got a really young squad. We've got a lot of high-level draft picks. We've got a lot of young players. Those guys need game time, experience, development, physical body mass, all that sort of stuff. So I'd like to think 2021 we're going to be super competitive and, you know, around 2022, 2023 is where we should start to see the Saints really, really hit their stride. But, uh, yeah, just stoked. Like a few of my, my key players that I really back as well I had a good season, Jack Steele being the real dominant one and Maxi King started to come good and Hunter Clark has shown a little bit of class and what he's capable of. And, and yeah, it's uh, exciting times, exciting for Saints for sure. Absolutely. And, look, obviously, um, you know, it was a good win by Richmond and Richmond probably showed what they've been doing the last couple of years, just really immense pressure and heart of the contest and all those sorts of things. And, um, you know, I think, you know, and I said this to you at the night, I think um, St Kilda will be a lot better for it. Thank you, Jonathan. you got a good eye for... For, for beauty. Um, I think that, yeah, you guys will be much better for it next year. And um, probably, if anything, it was a really good lesson showing you guys what sort of required and a level at finals. Um, yeah, so it's good. Um, an exciting time, obviously, for the Tigers. You know, we've got a very big game tomorrow night against Port. It'll be a test. Um, but hopefully the Tiger train can keep rolling on and get to the last week where it matters. Yeah, that's it. You know, teams like the Tigers and um, and Geelong, for example, are always going to take it up a whole nother level when it comes to finals. Those are mature, experienced teams, experienced players, big on-field leadership, big body guys that know how to exert max pressure. And that's why teams like St Kilda and those younger sides will generally, when it comes to finals, they absolutely get taught a lesson. And it's very hard to compete at that sort of level with 
the physicality and just also the the level headedness, I suppose, of those experienced teams in the finals. They know how to win games, they know how to close games, but they also know how to stop momentum in its tracks and turn it on its head. So, yeah, really good learning curve for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you everyone for the comments coming in. Um, obviously, yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit of fun and good on good on Jenks for uh, for doing the right thing. No, Troy. You know, we can talk about having a bet later on if you want, but we'll see what happens. Um, well, look, let's get straight into the show. As always, obviously, you know, this show is about you guys. Keep firing through your questions. We're always going to answer them. Um, and it probably segues a little bit to what I was just about to start talking about is that um, we've seen some really interesting developments over not only the last couple of days, but the last couple of weeks in the industry. We've talked nonstop about the different waves and the things that are going on. Um, and what I want to touch on was some of the, the exciting things different breakers and pages are doing at the moment to get people in and I guess effectively spend money. And that leads me to a huge congratulations to not only yourself, but the whole team at RGV, um, Brad and Matt. Um, you know, you guys have, you know, hit 500 draws today, which sold out. I think you had a monster $10,000 listing tonight and it sold out in what, 20 minutes, something like that. Um, yeah. well, well, well done. Congratulations. That's a really great effort by you guys. Thank you, thank you, and um, without giving too much promo to RGV, um, it, it's a huge, it, yeah, it, it's a huge result. Um, as you said, it was a nine thousand dollar listing, our five hundredth RGV in uh, in six months. It's only been operating for about six months. You know, we, basically, it, it kicked off at the onset of Corona, um, and to have got to where it is now is just—it's a big testament to to the trading card community and the and the membership of. Uh, of RGV, but it is definitely a big reflection of where where trading cards and AFL cards are at at the moment. This time last year, you couldn't dream of achieving results like that. Um, and as you said, like with the breakers and things, people trying to switch it up a bit and do different things with the intent of getting things to fill and people to participate. And um, I'll continue throughout our whole series of shows to talk about participation and whether people are participating as pure collectors, if they're just speculating, if they're gambling, if they're flipping, if they're investing, whatever it is, it's all of the different participants and all the different ways you can participate that create the ecology that is trading cards in Australia and trading cards in the world. And as a collector and as someone who's you know quite heavily involved in cards now, it's really what you want to see. There's always negatives, there's always positives, but ultimately we want to see that participation going on at every level across the board. And as, as always, you let, let the market decide what's good, what's bad, what's indifferent, what should work, what shouldn't work, what does work. We see, we're seeing it all play out in real time and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really quite fascinating to be honest and very, very exciting. It's an exciting time to be involved in cards, that's for sure. Absolutely. And look, again, congratulations. Make sure everyone goes and checks out um, the live draw tonight where they're, they're, they're giving away some amazing cards, the lucky people that did manage to get into it. You know, we will have to keep an eye on the clock today. I know, obviously, Tiger AJ likes to talk a lot, so we'll try to keep him under, you know, a little bit of a cap. But make sure you go and check out Really Good Vibes and RGV tonight. Um, that draw will be done about 9.30, 10 o'clock, depending when we get off air. But yeah. also, I guess it's not just an RGV segment. I really want to touch on a couple of breakers. And obviously, you and I are involved in mm. a lot of break, a lot of breaks. We we enjoy doing it. It's good entertainment. It's good, good interaction with the community. And a couple of things sort of hit my radar over the last couple of weeks, which, again, we're trying to always be positive and talk about the good things. Um, and Planet of the Breaks, which is a, a site we've talked about or a group we've talked about a little while, came out with some great initiatives over the last couple of weeks, um, doing a blind break where no one knows what their team is until the end, you know, which gets everyone involved and everyone's cheering for every card. And even last week, you know, Luke announced that he was doing a break that you could only get in via minis. So it was allowing people to buy in for a small amount of money and then get access to a bigger seat where perhaps they don't want to be paying the 50 or $60. You know, that was a fantastic initiative. Um, Don over at BAM Breaks had the BAM slot. So sell 17 slots and then another person or a person, luckily enough, gets a second spot for free. Um, boot collectibles. They sell nine teams where you can pick your team and then they get a random team. 
all these sorts of things, um, you know, some work, some don't, but it's great initiative and it's great pivoting away to just a traditional thing that everyone's doing the same thing. So all those guys that we just mentioned, congratulations, you know, keep going on with the innovation. The more people that you can engage and get involved in doing breaks or, you know, getting cards in their hands and making it accessible price-wise. And that's, you know, what RGV does too. It gives you an opportunity to get a card that you're never going to be able to afford at a very low cost. So well done, guys. Well done to all those places. Um, I don't know if there's any others that you've got off the top of your head, James. I, I know I think I pretty much covered all of them. But, you know, well done, guys. Keep it up and, um, yeah, just keep innovating. And if you guys see something out there that you think is great, shoot us a message. We want to continue to be promoting all these great things. Um, so I'm not sure if you can see on your screen, Janks, but it looks like the, the Gremlins are back tonight, but it's actually giving you a little bit of like a mystic aura. So it's gone from you looking like Luigi to now you look like Saint Tiger. AJ. There you go. On, on my screen, I look perfect as always. It's hard to mess with perfection, I suppose. So... When I look at myself as a reflection in my screen, it's just I'm in love, really. <laughs> no, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't see any of the issues on this end. It just looks normal to me. Obviously, it's uh, as it goes across the airwaves through the interweb, um, yep. there must be some things that are messing with it. Um, I told myself I was going to change the light globes in here because I've got two different types of LED light globes. One's white and one's uh, orangey warm. And, uh, yeah, I never did that. I thought the face paint would fix the problem. I was lazy. So there you go. And, and look, you know, Troy, of course, I didn't forget about Hobby Kingdom. We were, you know, you know, you run a great show there, but we're just talking about innovations here. You know, I'm lucky enough to get a few hits in a couple of places. And yeah, you run a great show there too at Hobby Kingdom. So in, in, in saying that, there's something that Troy uh, definitely is doing and probably the Laffins over at Fastbreak are doing it mm. as well. And also uh, Jules and Robert EJs where the guys have set up back-end store mechanisms as well, so in terms of websites and web domains and everything, and I think they're using a combination of Spotify, uh, not Spotify, Shopify, um, yep. as well as some customization. I think that's that's really cool and that's really new and unique. Um, it, it'll take time for the consumers and the participant participants to start to, to understand and get used to the external website and the external link thing, but, uh, yeah, credit to those guys and... Um, you can see they've all spent time, money, and resources creating some really good websites and some great stream skins and, and things like that as well. So, so yeah, in general, we're seeing breaks and stuff at a scale we've never seen before, but we're also seeing innovation at a scale that we've never seen before as well. And it's appealing to all different types of people from all different walks of life. And as, you know, you and I have both touched on before, there's people who are not collectors who are coming in because they've seen breaks and someone tags them or someone invites them. They get involved. They then really enjoy the entertainment aspect. They then receive their physical cards in the mail and they like the idea that they've got something physical and tangible in their hand and they see what the quality is and all of a sudden the next thing you know, they're looking for cards and they're collecting and, and, and all that as well. So, again, we need to really... Well, the gremlins look like they might have got... Tiger AJ there, so I'll keep going with this. But, um, yeah, very, very much exactly what he was just touching on, that the, the, a lot of those other breakers and, you know, as he just mentioned, EJs or Fast Breaks or Hobby Kingdom, what they've really done is try to help the process and made it so much better to actually go and buy your spots. And a lot of times, um, you know, that has been a little bit of a downfall to why it's, it's so much harder to get into a break. Sometimes these Facebook threads can go absolutely crazy and then, you know, you just don't, you know, you don't you don't see what's going on. So being able to go into a website and actually go and buy those spots is obviously awesome. You know, it's really, really good. Um, so obviously while Tiger AJ is off, you know, plugging back his dial in again and hoping that he can get back on, and I'll just obviously double check and make sure that we are still yeah, on sorry, site. You know, yeah. Oh, let me just check. I think we're still okay, but we'll just make sure. Well, yeah, we're still there. That's all right. Um, so, look, I'll keep sort of talking until Jenks comes back. Um, a couple of little things I want to touch on about the industry and what's going on at the moment. Obviously, um, we've definitely seen a little bit of a, 
I guess, a, a resurgence in what's been going on in the last couple of weeks. We've talked about how it's a little bit of a flat spot and how there are sort of less, um, how should I say, it, less volume of money and things like that coming in. I know me personally, I've definitely noticed that um, there have been more breaks happening and more things filling. RGB, again, is another sign of that. Um, yeah, I think that's fantastic. So, look, not sure where Tiger AJ is. It seems like he has just fallen off the internet. So let's just uh, get him in. This is the beauty of live TV here. Um, what is he doing? Oh, I think he's back. Maybe he's back. Is he back? All right, I think he's back. I, oh, he's back. Oh, he's back. Oh, thought I was going to have to do the show solo there for a second, mate. Well, maybe he's not back. So, look, yeah, lots of good things going on in the industry, and we've certainly noticed that things have started picking up again, and I don't know whether or not perhaps that's because, um, you know, kids are back at school, especially in Victoria. People are slowly getting back and working a little bit more, all those sorts of things. So some really positive signs for the industry, um, and I think that will certainly continue to move along. James, can you hear me? I can hear you. I am back. Uh, Just talking a little bit about... Yeah, just talking a little bit about where the industry is at the moment. Um, I've certainly noticed over the last couple of weeks, I feel like the trend is going back up again. There's more people participating. There's more people getting involved in things. Is that certainly how you feel it is at the moment? Yeah, it's uh, obviously we went through a bit of a slow period and hopefully you can see and hear me all right. My whole computer system just shut itself, like literally. Yeah, we're all good. Everything's frozen in front of me. Um, but uh yeah, we've gone through a really interesting time and something that I don't think trading cards in Australia have ever experienced before. So it's been very unprecedented. It's been very hard to forecast. The data is just all over the shop. At one point, I think I've got my finger on what's going on and what's happening and where things are going to be over the next few days. And then it just gets thrown out the window, basically, over a bunch of transactions that happen or things that happen. So we're certainly, it's an unprecedented time. I think we're seeing, in the context of it being a marketplace, we're seeing higher highs, the lows aren't as low, and we're, we're, we've hit a, a higher base level for, for cards pretty much. And what we see happen now is I think as we talked about that we thought was going to happen but maybe it took a little bit longer was people have started to really complete their sets from this series and you've got a, a lot of new collectors who have just come in since Prestige or since Dominance who have now done this set and, you know, love being in the hobby and they're now starting to backlog everything as well. Um, so we're seeing some real price pressure starting to take place on older series of cards, including 2019 Dominance. Uh, you know, one that's sitting on my radar at the moment is the Max King DPS. A bunch of people have mentioned it to me. You know, the mm. Max King DPS, I think one sold for $115 three or four weeks ago. They've been selling in the 100 to 130 range for the last sort of four to six months. All of a sudden, one went on eBay a few days ago for 325. There's the only other one sitting on eBay at the moment that's got like $250 worth of bids. Uh, the yep. same applies with Isaac Quaynor. I saw that DPS went up to $270 on eBay. You're seeing the footy finest cards starting to go through the roof, future Hall of Fame's going up in value anything that's desirable going up in value. And then, you you know, you've got supremacy, which is in a whole nother league of its own, and that will just continue to keep going up and up and, as well, in my opinion. Um, with respect to dominance and this series, I think we've seen the market flatten out as low as it can possibly go. Uh, high flyers probably dipped down a lot further than what I thought they would, and they've started to bounce back a little bit. Influential they, were, they, 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 were, yeah. they, they were probably the really noticeable card from this series yeah. that went up really big, really start, and really crashed. Like, they were yeah. out of all the cards, it feels like they were really the big ones. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I tend to agree. Everything else has held up really well. The desirable teams and the really high collector players and teams have uh, have been going, keep continue to go up. So that's probably to be expected as those cards, you know, cards um, disappear a fair bit. You know, RGV tonight's probably a good example. Two Pendlebury captain signatures and the dusty um, dominance card are a reflection of why that, that listing filled in 18 minutes and went so quickly. Those cards are so desirable and they just, you know, so so valuable and desirable and so hard to find now that, uh, yeah, you know, the unattainable stuff, you've got to source it from other locations now. 
Absolutely. And look, we've got a question on screen. You can't see all of it, so I'll read it out to you. Question for you guys tonight. Apart from the awesome connections you make from the community, what is your favourite part of AFL cards? Breaks, razzers, or collecting your unicorn cards? James, what do you think? Um, so for me, there's no individual, no, no single thing. I suppose it's the combination of every aspect of it. And what's really interesting is... Um, you know, I chat to quite a few people. I'm in quite a few chat groups of which uh, I'm sure some of you guys are watching right now. Um, but I often say to people, the conversations, the social aspect, the social engagement, the sense of community, the sense of being a part of something with like-minded people and being able to communicate and talk about cards, not just chase cards and attain cards, but talk about everything to do with cards is one of the things that really keeps me engaged and keeps me motivated and going in trading cards. You know, there's obviously a lot of politics that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, you and I, AJ, are very, very exposed to that because, you know, yeah. the fact that we obviously do this show and I'm involved in RGV and really good vibes and, and a few other things. So I, I see a lot of the, the negative side of the politics as well that's in the background. But to me, just, you know, being able to just engage with people and participate and have fun with people and again whether that's conversations or trolling live breaks and the comment the comment sections of the live breaks or then the thrill of the chase of the card then receiving the card and putting the card into your collection and showing off the card and getting the affirmation from other people about what you're doing and the motivation to keep pushing forward with it and then all the way through to the market side of things and the business side of it and the financial side of it. It just, it's, it's for me, it's the whole package. And that's why I like, I'm one to embrace everything. I'll embrace all the new technologies and the new innovative ways that people are doing things with cards and I'll form my own decisions and opinions, whether they're good or bad. So yeah. And look, yeah. And I agree. I've got sort of a lot of similar thoughts for me. I, I guess I really got into this cause I enjoyed the chase um, you know, chasing cards that gave me something to do was really entertaining. But the secondary thing has been I've made some really good friendships from this. Um, obviously, you know, you and I have got closer over this. You know, I've got a, a handful of guys that I talk to every day, um, you know, and it's as I've been friends with them for 20 years. So some of those things have been fantastic um, and it's good fun. You know what I mean? We, we live in a pretty serious world where there's lots of shit going on at the moment. And it's nice to have a little bit of an escape where you can talk to some like-minded people, have a few laughs. As you said, there's some politics and things like that that we deal with. But, um, you know, you kind of try to let, you know, that bounce off as much as you can. But, um, yeah, great question. And certainly, um, you know, we both are relatively aligned. Um, we're in it for the same reasons. And I think a lot of people are. I think 95% of the people are in this space for the right reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, look, let's keep the show moving because obviously we are, you know, on the clock tonight a little bit. Um, and let's cut into um, cardboard school. So, obviously, this week it's a little bit of an interesting one, and I'm sure the comments are going to light up about this. Um, I want to talk about scams, AJ. So, we had someone reach out to us during the week if you could talk to us a little bit about the scams that happen in the, in the industry. And... Look, as always, we try to keep things pretty positive here um, and we'll go through a couple of things, not so much about highlighting the scams that have happened, but more ways that you can kind of try to protect yourself and make sure that you end up in the, I guess, the right side of things. Not the right side, but you you treat people the same way as you would like to be treated. Um, so I guess, look, I'll just go through a couple of points and certainly, you know, give me your feedback, Tiger AJ, when you've got anything. When you're doing transactions, and a lot of times scams are sort of basically around transactions. Yeah. If you're concerned at all, how often do you pay PayPal fees? Yeah, so basically, so from my perspective, that's a really good question. Obviously, PayPal has two forms of payment, friends and family and goods and services. The difference is that goods and services the person who receives the payment has to pay a percentage of the transaction as a fee. And what that does is actually provide buyer's protection um, and seller's protection. It provides protection going going both directions, basically. And yep. as, as a result of that, it means if something transpires that's untoward with respect to the transaction, um, there's always a way for, for both the buyers and sellers to make, make claims uh, accordingly 
predominantly on, on, on the buyer side though. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, if it's someone I've never dealt with before or someone that hasn't dealt with other people that I hold in a high regard and that I deal with, then generally yep. for the first transaction, I'll do a goods and services and I'll pay whatever the additional fee is, you know, 2.7%, it's not so bad and, uh, and, and go from there. Um, and, and I think that's always a really good way to, to protect you, to, you know, to protect yourself as well for the sake of 2.7%. And, and in most instances, you're talking about a few dollars, maybe tens of dollars at worst case scenario. So, so I guess for people that perhaps aren't aware of that, you might see a lot of sales threads and we're talking more here in the, in the groups and in the private sales, because when you buy something through eBay, um, that goods and services is always there. They, they charge it, the seller wears those costs. But when you're buying something, you see a lot of times in groups, friends and family only. So if you want to buy a $100 card and you want to pay the fees, what do you do and how much money do they need to send? Um, so you can go straight into Google and you can look up PayPal fees calculator and it brings up a little calculator where you can actually put in the amount of money you're going to pay and it'll tell you what the fees on top of that will be okay, or, you can, or, it, or it goes in reverse as well. So there's one, there's that as a tool. But general rule of thumb is about th- you know about 3%. Um, so if I transact a deal with someone and I buy a card that's $100 and I've never dealt with them, I'm going to pay goods and services, I'll pay them 103 and they'll end up with whatever, $100.30 or something like that in their PayPal account. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's how it works. Basically, if you work on the base of about 3%, and it changes internationally depending on what currency and, and all that sort of stuff as well. And, and do you, as a, if you're a buyer and you're a seller, should you be letting the seller know that you're paying with fees? Because I guess there would be some situations where people would click the button, they wouldn't pay the extra little bit, and then the seller is going to receive less money. Is that right? Is that how it works? That's right. And it certainly happens constantly. And I hear about that happening all the time. Um, and it really comes down to how, this, how the seller has specified it in their listing. Um, you know, one thing I would always say to people is don't advertise F&F only. People don't actually realize, but it's, 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 it's actually not legal to do that. You, yep. you, you, have to, you have to accept a goods and services payment if someone wants to pay that way. You just need to specify to them that they need to pay the fee. And that's why you'll often see FNF preferred if paying GNS, make sure you cover the fee. And that's that's exactly what that is. So I know a lot of people do get worked up if they buy a card off someone, they pay goods and services and they don't pay for the fee. And then the, the seller comes back and asks for the additional money to be transferred across to them, which is, uh, you know, depending on the description and how it was specified, it's understandable, I suppose. Yeah, so certainly take that on board. If you want a little bit of protection via PayPal through the groups, put 3% on the top top of it and then you're 100% covered and that means there's security both sides. Um, Registered post and express post. So a lot of people don't, you know, they understand that there's standard delivery and then you can go and get registered and people kind of think that registered post is the be-all and end-all. Do you just want to explain the differences between standard registered express and also express with signature i know i'm putting you on the spot here a little bit but there's some differences in the way australia post looks at those different types of mail which is another form of protection yeah so obviously australia post isn't like a bunch of physical people that stand in a line at a warehouse and they pass the mail down the line it's a very automated system there's certainly a level of human intervention but it's predominantly an automated system the differences in classifications of mail, well, the first thing is registered post has no bearing on the actual speed of the postage itself. It's purely an additional registration is all it is. Um, it's a tr- it's making an item trackable, which is why, so for instance, when you list something on eBay and it comes up with the postage that you have to put if you're selling something and it comes up with like Australia Post Standard Plus Registered because what you're doing is Standard post is one aspect, and then the registered label is registering that post, whereas Express, Express is a whole different classification of postage itself. It's the item that's going Express, but because you're paying a premium for the Express, it also then includes a registered tracking number. Um, Depending on if it's prepaid Express or paid at the post office, you then get an additional option for, for adding a signature as opposed to just tracking. That whole system basically changed when parcel post came in because parcel post 
has tracking built into it, but doesn't require a signature. Um, so therefore it's not as secure. You still have the comfort of a tracking number. So you see where it's scanning, but it's not actually as secure as what, what a proper registered post item would be because it requires a signature or if you're in a COVID, COVID climate, then they put it in a safe location and take a photo with their handheld device of, uh, of what's happening with it. But I might just add, and this actually probably predates your time in collecting, one of the really big things that are not applicable at the moment, you can't even get them at the post office because they've stopped the service temporarily is priority stickers. So what you could do is get a 50 cent priority sticker, which, hang on a sec, I reckon I have one in a drawer here somewhere. I do, I do, I do, I do, fantastic, sorry. Let me just get it, all right. So here's a page, for those who can see it, so that's a page of five of them, $2.50 for five, 50 cents each, right? These little stickers, as you can see, it's just a QR code with a priority on it. But what that effectively does is takes a normal item and turns it into the speed of express post. So what I would normally do prior to COVID kicking in is I would get a bubble mailer, I would get my prepaid express post labels, I would get stamps and I would get prepaid the prepaid um, priority stickers so you get your $4.40 label, or if you're buying in bulk, it becomes $3.30 for registered post. If you're buying in 50 units or more, you get a bulk discount. So you get your, but let's just say, for argument's sake, you get your $4.40 registered post label, you've got your 50 cent priority sticker, and then you've got your $2.20 worth of stamps. You're effectively delivering a padded mailer at the same speed as express post with the same, with the same tracking and the same coverage but it's substantially less. Now, when COVID kicked in, they took priority stickers off the line and they're no longer applicable. Everything's taking really long. Standard post is taking extraordinary amount of times and um, irrespective if it's registered or not, it makes no difference. Express posts, they've now doubled the time. So Express used to be East Coast to East Coast, guaranteed overnight. East Coast to West Coast, guaranteed within 48 hours. That's now gone East Coast to East Coast two days and east coast to west coast, I think up to five days, they're saying now for it. But when everything comes a bit back to normal and, and the, the distribution centres and the sorting centres come back online to their full capacity, we'll see the priority stickers come back online and it'll all come back online again. And uh, yeah. I would expect to go back to that system. Yeah, yeah and, and I guess why we're sort of pointing out these different types of mail is that circling back to the topic of scams, if you send something or you don't choose to spend any more money than the three bucks for normal, you don't know where your package is. If you spend a little bit more money to get it registered, you can track it in the Australia Post app. And I recommend everyone, if you don't have the Australia Post app on your phone or your computer, get it. It is amazing. Um, I love it. I use it all the time. Um, and then if you get Express, you can track that again as well and you see where your parcel is going and where it is in its transformation. So I get messages of people sometimes saying, I haven't received something. And I sent a cut some cards to a guy about a month ago and they weren't anything special, not really high value, but he hadn't got them after three weeks. And straight away, as a buyer, you're concerned that you're getting ripped off. And I said, look, mate, it'll be fine. It was $10 worth of cards. They'll arrive. And sure enough, they did arrive. But if you want to spend that little bit of extra money on whether it's registered, express, express with a signature, you can track it and have a little bit more of a better idea on where the thing is that you've bought. And on the flip side, as a seller, you know where that parcel is. So that's sort of an, that's kind of how I'm tying that in with this scam topic. Yeah, yeah. So Luke, Luke James has just put up a really, really good comment there. I don't know if you can throw that one up on the screen. You probably can't get it in its entirety. Yep. But um, Luke has basically said, "It's." I'm, I'm assuming if I scroll up the comments, it'll say that he's been ripped off on eBay, scammed on eBay, and this is a regular occurrence. Just so I'm clear with everyone, eBay automatically sides with the buyer, so the onus then comes back onto the seller. To prove, to prove otherwise. Um, so what Luke's basically said is he didn't send something registered post. So as a result, as the seller, there's no way for him to have any form of proof that the item was sent or was delivered. And as a result, all it takes is for the other party who bought the card to lodge a complaint with eBay and eBay will all take a default position that if the item didn't have tracking associated with it, a full refund gets given. So you lose your cards and you lose the money that the person paid you. Um, due to that, 
my strong advice is always no matter what you're selling on eBay, put tr put tracking on it, put it, do it as registered posts. I literally, anyone can go have a look. Adam Jan one is my eBay account. It's there for anyone to look at. I do not put up any items without registered posts, whether I charge it to the, to the buyer as a fixed price or I include it and put it for free and I just build it into the cost of my listing. That, that that's it's just an absolute must now all i hear constantly is horror stories and the fact that so many people are shopping online and using ebay not just for trading cards but in general e-commerce is booming because of covid19 it means the scammers are out in force and people are out in force knowing that they can manipulate the system and take advantage of that of that exact system so you know i i, I listen I, I literally have right now i've got a two dot a card that's listed for two dollars 99 and five dollars postage at the moment no one's buying it and it's, they're not buying it because the card is worth less than what the postage is. But it's I'm also trying to make a point that I won't even sell a $3 card unless someone's going to pay for the tracking. Yeah, and look, Troy's just asked a good question about these. What about the green tracked envelopes? And look, I didn't touch on them because um, they're a little bit of a hybrid product, but they're great. If you're sending bulk items out that you want to be registered, actually, I've got prices here. They're like $4.95, I think, and they have tracking in built. So instead of paying... $2.20 plus $4.50, you're getting it about $1.50 cheaper, but they don't have signature. So you will be able to track the item as it moves along, but there is no receipt of delivery. So that's the big key difference with the signature. And I know especially um, if you're putting in a claim with Australia Post, if you don't have a signature option for delivery, they will just, if it says it's delivered, it's delivered. It doesn't matter whether they handed it to the neighbour, the person standing in the front yard, someone standing in your letterbox, if it says delivered, it's delivered. So um, they're a great option and they are cheaper than sending just standard tracking items. But remember, you don't have the security of acknowledgement of delivery. They're also not padded. So anyone that's using those paper prepaid envelopes needs to be True. mindful that whatever they're putting inside them need to be properly protected. It's interesting because Select does it. Select obviously does it to save money is they use paper envelopes to send out um, to send out the highlight cards, to send you your highlight cards out. And, and they either do a, a registered post sticker on a DL envelope or they use those green prepaid yep. trackers, but they obviously top load each of the cards and they then put it inside a, a plastic Select pouch. So it's not susceptible to water damage. Um, but yeah, that's just something I have, I, I think, you know, people should be looking for ways, especially if they're sending a lot of cards to reduce their costs down and reduce the cost of that set, what it costs to send, because ultimately it gets passed on to the buyer anyway. So anything anyone can do to do that, I certainly support as long as it's not going to impact the, 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 you know, the cards themselves in transit and their ability to get damaged and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and look, to add another layer of this, and I, I know we're probably diverting here a little bit. Obviously, I, I've bought some high-value cards recently. Um, and let's just use an example, a Dusty Dominance card, right? The person was located in Melbourne um, on the other side of the city to me. I There's a new thing called Uber Connect. So when you open up your Uber you know, you can book a normal Uber and it might cost me $60 to go to that person. There's a cheaper version called Connect, which is just for sending freight and parcels. Now, I stress, Uber says that you shouldn't be sending things over $100 worth of value for their insurance, all that kind of stuff. But for me, I can spend $40. The person hands the box, they put it in the boot or they put it on the back seat. I track that parcel straight to my door and I'm watching it the whole way and it gets delivered in real time in 45 minutes. And yes, it's not perfect for all situations, but when you're spending $1,000 on a card and they're in the same you know, city as you, spending $40 to make sure that you have it in your hand with no issues that you can track it in real time is something that I choose to do. And again, I wouldn't be saying um, that for everybody, but that is a, certainly something to keep in mind when um, when you're dealing with more high-value cards. But, again, that's just a, something I've done from my own experience and people can take it or leave it if they want to do that. And Gat just made a, a good point there about get a PO box. You know what I mean? It means that it's getting delivered straight to the person in Australia Post. Um, you don't have to worry about your neighbour or someone else pinching the mail. 
So definitely keep those things in mind. Pinching the mail is a big issue, especially with trading cards. Like people monitoring what people receive and, you know, random people, especially if you live on main roads and things like that, if they see you getting lots of parcels and padded mailers day after day, well, it's very easy for them to come and and pinch those. So a PO box, if it's an option, is is a great option. It's not that expensive. It's only around 120 bucks a year or something like that. So definitely a good option. And then the other thing with high value cards is Australia Post Insurance. Um, Australia Post gives yep. gives the option to take out insurance on anything that you're sending. It's extra cover. Yeah, extra, I think extra, it's extra cover. Two dollars fifty for every hundred dollars worth of coverage. So, uh, you know, with RGV, for example, so RGV mediates transactions on behalf of the person that's listing the card and the person that that ultimately wins the card, the receiver. Um, and part of the requirement there is because RGV is acting as an intermediary to secure the transactions to make sure people are protected as much as they possibly can be, there is a requirement for certain value cards to have to be insured and that's built into the cost of the listing. I would say the same should apply with any, if you're doing a direct deal with someone, whether it's via Facebook, email, eBay, whatever it is for a very high value item, build the cost of insurance into that item as well and and protect yourself. Yep, good point, good point. Look, we can talk about this for ages and certainly feel free to shoot us up with any messages um, via DM, either personally or through the page, and we can certainly answer specific questions for you. But, look, that's just another thing to keep in mind to avoid yourself from getting scammed. Um, We'll fly through a quicker few of these now because I don't want to get stuck on this too much. Um, Don't buy from dodgy sources. If you see a card that's been sold on eBay and the guy has... 10% 10% positive feedback or three transactions, tread with caution. Um, you know, it's same as buying off someone on a, a smaller Facebook group and their profile has no pictures or they have no friends or they have two friends or something like that. Um, you know, there's, there's an old saying that I've got is if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So you've got to use a little bit of nous with that stuff, um, you know, if it feels a bit off, well, tread with caution. Put these other steps in place that we've just talked about so then you can protect yourself a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. And, again, just people should be cautious that, like any industry or hobby, whatever you want to call it, when it's booming, there's all sorts of people that come in to try and take advantage of opportunities and and take advantage of other people. So, you know, people should just be really conscious. It is cardboard, but it's cardboard that has really significant value attached to it as well. So uh, people need to be mindful of that. Um, Yeah, and obviously, look, lots of different scams, lots of different things going on at the moment. Shill bidding is obviously a huge one. There's been an absolute explosion in shill bidding at the moment. Do you maybe want to explain what shill bidding is to those who don't know? Yeah, so so if if someone is putting up a... Whether let's just use eBay for an example because there are options on Facebook pages, but eBay is a good example where someone lists a, a card for sale and they either get fake accounts that they own or they get their friends to go and place bids to continue to push the price up. So if they have a card that they want it to be, they sell it for 100 bucks, and they've got one bidder who's stuck on $5, they'll get someone else to keep making bids to push that up so then hopefully they get the price they want. Yeah, and it's not just about getting the price they want on that auction. What you see happen is people will drive up the price by using fake bidders on their own auctions to increase the, the, the perceived market value of the card so it goes through as a sold listing. They'll then use that as leverage to list their card higher and create a perception within the marketplace that the card is more has sold in the past for a lot more than it, than it actually has. Um, again, it, it, you know, if something seems like it's not right, then it's probably not right. The Max King thing was a really interesting example. That's one of the first ones I've seen recently that did not seem right and something wasn't right about it. But when I went and started looking at all the bidders on it and and looking at the feedback scores and everything, but then you can click in, you you know, you can click into the feedback numbers and see what they've been buying and their levels of feedback. You start to to realise if they're legitimate or not legitimate, and it looked like everything on that card was legitimate. And the fact that another one went up and starts is getting bids up at the 250 mark as well probably indicates that, wow, there's genuine demand for that card. I just saw you put the comment up about the Dusty Showstopper. Yeah, Do you want to I, talk a bit yeah, about I, that? I, 
Yeah, and look, obviously I put it up because Shane mentioned it, but again, look, I don't want to go into too many specific examples, but that is a working example that plenty of people that have been in the community for long enough are aware of this card. Um, and again, it had its price pumped up, pumped up, pumped up. It was sold, and then suddenly it was back up for sale again a month later, pumped up, pumped up, pumped up. Back on sale again and, a month and, later. And, and, and a week later, and it was on sale on eBay and it sold on eBay for thousands. Then it was listed on Facebook for a third of the price. Yeah. Then, you know, lots of dodgy stuff went on. Whilst we're, talk whilst we're talking about scammers, everyone should go and try join the Facebook group, Australian Sports Card Scammers Exposed. It's a yep. brilliant, it's a brilliant group. It's a really great group for Australians within the collector's community where when things are being perpetrated and scams are taking place, they are broadcast on that page to warn other people within the community about things that may be taking place. Um, yeah, sometimes it turns into a bit of a battering job, but uh, for the most part, everything's backed up with screenshots and photos and, and legitimate commentary and everything as well. So you never look into each individual thing, but yeah, Australian Sports Card Scammers Exposed Facebook. Absolutely. And that goes back to that point where Tiger AJ has been talking about this pretty much from episode one. Make sure you do research. You know what I mean? Whether it's looking at a feedback score, looking at previous items, going and having a look at the scammers page, asking other people, ask other people that you're friends with, have you ever done a transaction with this person? So again, look at all those things, protect yourself the best you can. Um, Sam, you did just ask a great question. I will come back to that in a second once we get to mailbag. We'll just finish up with this. Um, the the last one that, you know, I want to talk about, and this isn't so much a scam, but, well, it is a scam, but I um, I actually fell into this myself a couple of months ago. I was in desperate need for some top loaders. They didn't, all the shops didn't have them. And a good friend of mine, I won't say his name, Minx, said, hey, mate, look at this place and sent me a link, all right? And it was completely innocent. You know, he um, had no association. He just Googled it and found it. I got on this site and there were top loaders and one touches and they were so cheap. They were so, so cheap. And it was definitely a, a store from overseas. And I thought to myself, well, the price seems about right from overseas prices, but I don't know whether or not I should be getting 2,000 top loaders for 100 bucks. It just felt a little bit wrong. Anyway... <laughs> I put my credit card in, they didn't have PayPal, I did away, pushed the button and then got an email confirming my order, which was like from some random Yahoo Hotmail account. I'm like, shit, this isn't good. So anyway, kind of forgot about it. A week later, I went back to check the site and the site was gone. It was completely gone. Yeah, so literally gone? Literally gone. It was gone. Wow. So, <laughs> I mean, it felt at the time I knew I'd done something silly and, look, it was only a couple of hundred dollars, but that is a perfect example. And, again, of the point that I just made before, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. So, yeah. just little things like make sure there's got the little padlock on the top of the site that says that it's SSL so they're secure for payments, all that kind of stuff. Look, no damage was done. And please, if you guys are watching the show, don't rate my credit card, please. But everything's been fine so far. Um, but look, you know, just be aware. So I guess that pretty much covers the scam as sort of topic. Um, again, we didn't want to go into sort of, you know, individual scams and things like that. But the message to you guys is protect yourself. Look, we're always around. AJ and I are always online in some different fashion. If you want to ask us a question or something doesn't feel right, we've dealt with 90% of the people in the industry in some fashion. You're always welcome to reach out and we can um, give you some advice. So be vigilant, be prepared, protect yourself, and hopefully you will uh, yeah, avoid the situation of getting scammed. Absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to AJ's mailbag. And look, obviously, we've got, um, you know, looking at the clock, we are against it a little bit. So we will try to keep moving. So look, I've got one question. I will go back to Sam's question in one second. We had a question from Jason, um, who last week talked to, we talked briefly about um, the pricing between O1s and jumper numbers. And he followed that up this week and said, hey, AJ's, last week you discussed the added value of O1 and jumper number cards. Would like to know your thoughts on player issue cards. Are they equivalent to O ones or better or worse? 
Tiger AJ, give us your insight. Um, great question, Mr. Jason Bernardi, I think that one came from. Um, mm-hmm. Really good question, and a lot of people don't even actually know what player issue cards are, including probably a lot of people watching this stream right now. So we'll have a, a quick chat about that, I suppose. Um, so basically what happens is most high-end cards uh, in terms of signature cards and certain other high-end cards, but definitely the signature cards, separate to the run that's done for collation and what goes into the packets and, and what goes out to the consumer base, the players themselves get issued with special versions of the cards. And rather than being numbered on the back, they're actually stamped with player um, years ago, some of them, they didn't even bother stamping, but these days they actually stamp player on the back. And there isn't just player, there's other things as well. So like the Rising Star cards, for example, um, every year at the actual Rising Star event, a select gives each person who wins a Rising Star round, so each of those players that gets a nomination through the year, gets um, gets a set of event, of event issue cards and they're stamped with event on the back. So rather than being numbered, they just say event on them. Um, and they're very limited in number. With regards to player issues, event issues, or any special issue cards like that, they never divulge how many there actually are in that production run, so it's really hard to know. I tend to think in terms of player issue, there could be anywhere from one to 10 of each individual card. I believe at the moment, Select is sort of giving, you know, three to five of the signature, like the DPSs and the player inks and stuff like that. And and then they generally end up with family members. Obviously, players and managers and associates and friends and family and all that sort of stuff, they don't necessarily collect cards, so they don't understand that there's a secondary market value on that tangible object. And as a result, we we see them occasionally trickle onto the marketplace. Now, from my perspective, I look at those cards Twofold. I look at it and say, yeah, it's a player issue or it's a non-issued card in collation. So therefore, it it has some sort of perceived higher value to it, which could be in line with a 0-1 or a jumper number. But the more important aspect of it is how many are there of that actual card in circulation or out there in in the community, I suppose. And the player issues are really rare. I, I generally, like if I come across player issue cards, I generally pay the same sort of money for a player issue as what I would pay for, for a jumper number or an 01 or, or maybe slightly less. It depends on who the player is and what the card is. But, you know, normally I'll pay, you know, two to three times the face value of a normal card for a, for a player issue or an event issue card. What about some of the older cards, Jenks? Question without notice, where mm-hmm. they actually didn't get them numbered or stamped and it just had player edition printed on it. Yeah, so you're you're probably talking about uh, you could be talking about a few things, but you know there was there was an error run in um, in Legacy, funnily enough, in 2018, where they accidentally put the player issue cards into the collation, and I think it was something like 100 sets of player issue ended up out there in collation. So I have the St Kilda ones, for example, and you would never know you've got them unless you looked really really carefully on the back down the bottom of the card, and it says player edition on it or player issue or player edition it says on it um so you wouldn't even realize so for those who are sitting on um hall of fame cards from legacy the hall of Fa- those hall of fame cards from legacy 2018 you may well be sitting on player player edition player issue cards right there um with regards to older stuff uh i feel like at the moment there are cards being advertised by people as player issue because they're not stamped at all um, signature cards and things like that, and and uh, people need to be careful not to fall into a trap there because some of those old signature cards um, from like SPX, you know, anywhere between sort of 2000 and 2006, there's certain signature cards that weren't numbered at all. They didn't have numbering on the back of them. Like people know how many were produced, but they didn't actually have numbering or they didn't have a stamped number on it, so you couldn't actually get an 01 or a jumper. It was just a card that there's X amount of. And I've noticed recently a bunch of those being advertised as player editions and people paying a a big premium for them. So some of them are and some of them are not. People really need to do their research before they jump in the deep end with that. Yeah, okay. So I guess, look, there's a golden rule. Make sure you do a little bit of investigation about the cards. Um, And again, ask people that know. Do you know what I mean? If it looks too good to be true, Maybe it is. Um, yeah. Let's 
cut back to Sam's question. Now, I'm not going to be able to get it all on screen, I don't think, if I can find it. I thought it was a really good question. Uh, of course, I wasn't going to be able to find it. Uh, da, 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 da. Guys, I've got it. I've got it. From Sam Mark. Uh, yeah, I've got it. Here we go. Guys, I'm new to the hobby and um, I've already spent a ton of dough. Some of you some of you have been in the hobby for years. My question, how do you make it financially workable? Good question. Good. Great, great, great question. Probably something we all ask ourselves every day after we go buy cards and buy into breaks and buy packets and boxes and all this sort of stuff. Then afterwards we look at our accounts and we reflect on how much money we've actually spent. Um, there's so many different ways to go about it. Um, you know, there's people, horses for courses, I suppose. It depends what your intent is. Are you a team collector? Are you a master set collector? Are you just a subset collector? Do you collect a particular player, certain type of cards, whatever it is? Some people just go out and buy singles. They have a bankroll. They have a budget on what they're spending on cards. That's one of the first things I would say is like anything in this world, you need to budget accordingly. Um, I certainly don't like to see people spending on money money on cards and then a week later facing financial hardship when they have bills turning up and things like that as well. So for like me personally, I have a designated you know bankroll effectively for PayPal for for cards. I use what's in PayPal. I have a very particular rule that I try not to spend money outside of my PayPal unless it's an absolute necessity. And as a result of that, the balance in my PayPal determines my, my position on what my buying power is on, on any given day. Um, and then it also actually motivates me to get rid of cards as well that I don't need that will just sit there in endless piles. So if I feel like PayPal's starting to run really low, but I have this big pile of cards still sitting here from the case cases of dominance that I opened, well, great time to move those cards in order to help me make it, make another purchase. Um, but in, in fairness though, like cards can get really like out of hand. You know, I remember when I first got into trading cards, I came and picked up a few team coach cards for 50 cents a dollar a unit. Then I remember buying my like my first $50 card and being like, wow, I can't believe there's a card that costs $50. That's crazy. I'm only going to do this once. And then all of a sudden you see something beautiful and you go and spend 200 on that then 300 on something else. And then you're like, well, if I bought this one for this much and I've got to buy this other one as well because it's not complete without it and the cycle uh, keeps going and all of a sudden you, you've found that you spent a really significant amount of money. I suppose we've got to look at it two ways though, yeah? The first one is we're paying for enjoyment, we're paying for entertainment, we're paying for the fun that's involved in procuring and collecting the cards. But then we can also rest easy at night knowing that those cards that we had so much fun spending our money attaining or obtaining, for the most part, they're going to be worth over time. It's a sound investment that's going to be worth more than, than what you've paid for it. There'll always be ebbs and flows. There'll always be things that drop and go back up and you can't just measure it on a few weeks or even a few months. But on a really long-term basis or even a medium-term basis, you, your, your cardboard is backed by money, so to speak. So, it's not it's not gone. You can't look at it and go, well, I spent $10,000 on trading cards and that money is gone. The money's tied up in, in, a, in an asset, so to speak, like it would be if it was artwork or any other form of collectible. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. And sort of even simplifying that a little bit more from my perspective is you're either going into this because you want to invest some money in it to hopefully turn it over and make some more money or you're collecting something and having fun and it's a hobby and a pastime. You know, you don't need to go and spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on cards. If you're buying cards, buy cards that you can afford or you need um, and keep it simple that way. I guess probably what we didn't touch on is that some people get into a trap of going in razors or lots of breaks and they're spending lots and lots and lots and lots of money but may not be getting a lot from it. And I guess... Guilty. Guilty. Yeah, guilty. Um, but you've also got to weigh up, you know, are you spending that $20 in a in a break to get enjoyment and entertainment for an hour, like you might be going to the movies, or are you putting that $20 in hopefully that you're going to hit a $100 card and get a return? So if you're going in 15 breaks a day, the reality is you're probably not going to hit enough cards to cover... 15 times $20. But if you're going in a break a day and you hit a good card, 
well, obviously you're going to make a little bit of money off that. So when you look at the card space and collecting in a whole, you've got to look at opening packets or boxes or cases, entering razors, entering breaks, buying single cards, selling cards. It's all in one thing. And something that I guess that you definitely taught me, Tiger AJ, is start a spreadsheet. You know what I mean? Even for no other reason, so you've got a little bit of an idea of what money is going out and what money is coming in. It will give you great visibility of where you're at instead of just guessing and looking at your bank balance and feeling shitty about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, I feel the same way as you. And, you know, no matter what anyone says, breaks, randoms, raffles, razzes, whatever you want to call them, buying even packets of cards, boxes of cards, whatever it is, it's still a form of gambling. There's no doubt about it. There is still gambling associated with it. You want to break it down into a from, from a psychology perspective, people are ultimately getting the same chemical reaction in their brain when they're chasing something in a break or participating when they hit something, you're getting that same chemical reaction. You're getting the same feeling of euphoria as if you were punting on a, ta- a table in the casino, betting on a horse, betting on a footy match, whatever it may be. One of the big things I've always said to people is, you know, a lot of people know, like, I don't mind a, a punt. Um, I'm not a big sports better. I'm not a big better on horses or anything like that. I like to play poker. I like some table games. I like things like craps and stuff like that as well, um, where there's mathematics associated with it. Um, but I always tell people when they go to a casino or any form of gambling, whatever money you take with you, don't expect to leave with that money. You're going to spend that money as a form of entertainment and anything you walk away with when you're finished should be viewed as a bonus. Unless you're doing it as a professional and you can gain an edge on a percentage basis where you can lock in a return, a guaranteed return, it's entertainment and you're paying for the entertainment. And if you hit and you get something, then you've got a really great bonus and, and a great a great reward there. But ultimately, uh, subconsciously we're very much doing it because we're getting that chemical reaction and that psychological aspect really comes into play. Yeah. And, and look, Sam, look, obviously I'm keeping an eye on the clock, so we'll, I will keep this moving. But Sam, just to yeah. sort of circle back to your question is that obviously if you're going in breaks and you're buying cards, work out what you want to collect, you know, deep down, no one likes to get rid of anything, but if you've got cards sitting next to you, they might be worth $2, $10, $20, Move them off and then reinvest the money again. Don't continue to keep dipping into your bank account because it's a slippery slope if you're never, ever selling any cards and it's just a one direction. So, look, um, look, there's lots of questions coming through, so we can't get to them all this week. Um, we will obviously touch on some more next week. Um, I think we might have lost Tiger AJ here again. He might have frozen, so he'll... Uh, I'm sure he's clicked out somewhere, so I'll just dump him off screen for a second. Um, so, look, what we might do is we might just quickly cut straight into everyone's favourite segment, which, of course, is unicorn hunting. Um, we haven't had any luck yet getting um, the Travis Boak influential from Certified 17. Um, we're asking everywhere. So if anyone has one, Travis Boak, Certified 17, influential card, hit us up with it. We're trying to track that down for Bodie Brown. He's desperate for it. But this week, this week's Unicorn, and we'll certainly put the artwork up, um, we are looking for a James Hurd Premiership Brownlow Double Signature Card from Supremacy 2019. Now, this card is made, there's only 25 of each of them, um, just as Tiger AJ rejoins the stream again. Um, So it's a... I was just saying, <laughs> we're looking for a James Hurd Premiership Brownlow Double Signature Card from Supremacy, number to 25. There are not many of these. Kai, who's requested this for us, is a big Essendon collector. He understands that this is a big boy card. There are not many of them around. But if you do happen to have one or you've lost complete faith with Essendon, as most Essendon supporters have, and you want to get rid of your cards, reach out to us. We can try to strike a deal. We understand, again, this is a big boy card. So James Hurd Premiership Brownlow Double Signature from Supremacy 2019. There's 25 of those cards out there. Come on, community. Let's work together. 
see if we can land a unicorn. Um, we are very close to getting our new website up where we're going to have all of our unicorns that we're looking for, that we've captured, all in one place. You can submit them nice and easily. We hope we'll have that up in the next couple of days for you guys. Um, but, look, yeah, keep your eyes out for that. We will have the artwork up on our Facebook page and all the social channels over the next couple of days. Um, look, it's been a great show. Tiger AJ, you're a gentleman. You're a man of your word. You stood by the bet. You look sensational. Um, I know you've got to run. You've got other commitments tonight for RGV. So, um, again, congratulations on 500 RGV. Everyone, after this, when you're finished, make sure you go check out the stream. There's going to be some amazing cards, arguably unicorns for everybody that people are going to win um, and get involved. And, um, yeah, it's been a great show. Thank you as yeah, always. Absolutely. Thanks, for everyone, for joining us. And also there's so many amazing questions in the comments that we haven't been able to get to. But uh, rest assured, we're going to be streaming live weekly, as I'm sure most of you have already noticed. So keep these questions coming through and keep them coming through on the live stream. There's some really brilliant ones. Adrian, I saw you've asked the same question a couple of times up the stream. It's a really good question and it's something um, we'll definitely address in the next episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch most of that next yeah, week for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to flag that now. And we'll just copy that into our system here as well, Adrian. But um, it's a really great question. It's got a very long answer and technical yeah. answer to it. Yeah, I wasn't ignoring it either. I did see it, but I yeah. just we are pressed for time today. Um, look, next week, obviously, it's grand final week, Brownlow Medal Sunday night. I mean, maybe we look to do Monday or Tuesday night next week so we don't get caught up in all the grand final hype. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe we'll see if we can go a little bit earlier next week. We will stay on air for hours. You guys keep hitting us with your questions. No worries at all. But, um, look, thank you, everybody. You've all been amazing. Troy, if you want to bet between Richmond and Port Adelaide, I'm sure we can work something out. We can't talk about it on air, but we will um, We will, We will. will definitely work something out. Um, yeah, we'll work something out. But anyway, thank you, AJ. Thank you, all the viewers and listeners. Um, great show as always. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and thanks so much again for the support, guys. It's just... Uh it's pretty mind-blowing what's happening with this, this this show at the moment and just the amount of people who are getting involved and, and coming on board. And we're going to have some fantastic guests over the coming weeks as well, and that's going to become a real regular thing for us as well as having some really amazing special guests from within the card scene as well. So join us next week. Tell all your friends about it. Make sure you jump on the Facebook page for all the links. You'll be able to view this afterwards on Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music, SoundCloud, and uh, many all the other locations as well. So thanks again, everyone. And for those involved in RGV 500, I'll catch you guys in about 20 minutes' time for the big live draw. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks.